He is none other than Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I've been bringing a piece of candy for you to look at. You might be able to taste it later, too. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have he given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> Could have rammed my head. Long snapping expert Adam Carolla. We don't call ourselves long snapping what? expert. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say black belt <laughs> karate expert. Black belt says it all. Matthew Perry. Our casting director said, "What about Nick Jonas? He's a pretty good actor." And I said, "Okay, great. Someone tell me who he is." <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, is your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's. Here we are in late March when we should be talking about free agency, and of course we're not. We should be all over the rule changes, and let's be honest, as much as we can talk about rule changes, if we're not sure that there's going to be a season or not, it's just not nearly the same. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. So I decided to put together a podcast this week in which we might touch on these subjects, but it will be through uh, the prism of uh, of laughing, of comedy. Let uh, the umbrella be our smile, if you will. And to that end, uh, I've got uh, two of the funnier guys uh, that I know coming in later on in studio. Jeff Garland, who's been on this podcast a couple of times, he will join us here in studio, as will the Roastmaster General himself, Jeffrey Ross. He will be here fresh off of killing at the latest Comedy Central roast, the one for Donald Trump last week. We'll talk all about roasts and uh, the concept of roasting and comedy with those two guys. But first up, uh, two of the funnier guys that I know through Twitter. I met these guys through Twitter, which normally doesn't sound like there's going to be a good ending to that whenever you say you meet someone through Twitter. But (laughs) there's a lot of people who follow these guys. They are the head writers of The Late Show with David Letterman, who they're also the executive producers of The Brothers, The Stangle Brothers, Eric and Justin Stangle here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. How are you guys? Thank you for having us. We're yeah, really excited God. about this. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so now first things first, let's, let's, let's uh, for folks who have never heard you guys before, who's er- Eric? Say hello first. So Hi, that, I'm Eric. That's Eric. And, yep. and Justin, you go. Yeah, okay. I'm Justin. Now here's the oh, easy- God, you sound the same. <laughs> the well, easy- well, genetically, we're very similar. <laughs> The easiest way to tell us apart, if someone says something smart and funny, it's Eric. Uh-huh. If uh, if there's a lot of uh, then it's me, Justin. Okay, so you're the guttural noise guy, yeah, then yeah. we can call Justin you that. Justin is the caveman of the two of well, us. So- I, I, I carry our, our, our scripts and our bags around. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you get rookie hazing. Yeah, in oh yeah. So uh, let's let's start, I guess, with the Twitter following that you guys have built up. Uh, Eric, you won an award for your sports Twittering in a way, correct? Yeah, well, Darren Rovell, uh, who was actually the very first person to uh, even acknowledge that I was on Twitter, was kind enough to include me in some article that had actual, um, you know, sports personalities on there. Uh-huh. And, and after that, people, for some reason, started following me. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and like you said, you know, Twitter gives us a chance to get to know people that we never would have met before. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have 
probably sent you lots of crazy letters saying, you know, I would like to uh, hang out with you. But here, now I get to direct message you those letters. Yes, you do. <laughs> and now this is as direct a message as you can get being That's on right. a podcast yeah, talking yeah. over the phone. Did you get anything? Did you get like um, no, a No, I'm Jim still Cram- waiting. No, he, I, I didn't even get dinner out of it. Not even like a Jim Cramer Mad Money mug or no, something like that? No, no. I mean, I understand times are tight, but steal, <laughs> steal something from the supply closet. Yeah. I mean, I'm calling you out, CNBC. There you go. Like a, like a Cudlow and Cramer cozy or something <laughs> yes. like that for your yes. beer. Very alliterative of you, by the way. Yes, I, I'm probably outdated. I don't, th- I, 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 I'm def- I don't think they're on the same show anymore. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, how do you guys um, come up with what you write. Let's start with that. I mean, just as a macro possible question as possible, how do you guys come up with with the stuff that you make everybody laugh with, whether it's on Twitter or for Dave? Well, first of all, we're idiots. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's where we start. Like no no joke when uh when Eric and I when we were kids, uh I would watch a ridiculous amount of television, and I would not. Uh, I really didn't do a lot of my homework, and I really didn't do a lot of what I was supposed to do. And my parents like always yelled at me and everything. But it turns out I was studying for what I do now, <laughs> and and it's just we have we have just uh, you know odd references crammed in our brains. And uh, and when we work for Dave, we come in every day, we read the paper, and we just try to you know come up with some sort of funny take based on what's going on in the world, um, and then. Um, the stuff that we kind of think, well, that's not that funny. That's the stuff we put on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the Filene's basement of your, yes, of your it comedy. Is. Everything must go. <laughs> <laughs> we have lost our comedy lease. <laughs> but you're also like live tweeting. Like I, 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 uh, I don't follow Piers Morgan, but I follow you, Justin. Yeah. And, and you're shout. Hey, like everybody's got to follow Piers Morgan. Morgan today because he was stuck on a flight or something. Yeah, like that? I was I was working at my desk and and uh, I, I've actually been following Twitter a lot at work lately because you, you end up learning more about everything going on in Japan uh, yeah. from, from Twitter before. Hey, I found out Liz Taylor had passed away through Twitter. I know, you, you same know I mean? here. It's crazy. How, I know how much it's like your live news feed all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, it really is. And uh, and I had Piers Morgan. I guess I was following him from when uh, Charlie Sheen was on his show. Yeah. And uh, and I just saw all these tweets where he's on some sort of Delta flight from New York to I don't even know where. And uh, and I guess right before they landed, the flight turned around. And he's coming back and he's pissed. <laughs> and he's like live tweeting on this plane and he's just cursing out Delta. And then at some point, some. Uh, Delta Help Service that's also on Twitter, they started like answering him like, you know, is there any way we can help you? And it's and it, it's it's like going to live theater, or it's like going to interactive theater, like Tony and Tina's wedding. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching this guy so angry uh, at, at Delta and someone and some nameless, faceless person is trying to help him, help him, and he's just cursing him out. So I figured uh, anyone else who doesn't want to work right now, you could be following Piers Morgan too. It's, Twitter is dangerous. I keep saying that because you see that with all the, the, the football players like during the Cutler incident. Oh, you know, yeah. Because it's too – it's way too accessible. It's way it's too accessible easy. And it's accessible and it's instant. Yeah, yeah. You don't really know what's going on. You could be like the old man on the porch screaming at the kids, you know. Right. And, um, on, but now the whole world hears you scream at the kids That's right. through Twitter. you got to be careful about that. Yeah, you got to be very careful. So uh, it's I imagine someone like Charlie Sheen for you guys, that is like manna from heaven, right? That's oh, like it's a, Christmas. It's Christmas every day. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it yeah. really is. You know what? Like the, one day Eric and I came into work and, you know – 
you you sit there and you read the paper, uh, and and you know these are the stories we we really should be dealing with. You know when something horrible is going on, you know you can't really make fun of it. Uh, so you know you're trying to figure out what stories you can do, what stories you can't do. The day we came into work mm-hmm. and Vice President Cheney shot a guy in the face, it was like the greatest day ever. <laughs> there was like a ridiculous amount of material. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, it's such an odd story <laughs> that you have a lot you can do. So like when Charlie Sheen starts going crazy and then he starts going on every other show and uh and you know and then he's doing his live you know sh- uh, uh Sheen's corner what was it uh Sheen's corner yeah, yeah. and uh that was the Ustream thing right yeah uh. it's just like like he he was it's just making it easy <laughs> yeah it's just teeing it up is there is there a um, just by reading your tweets i would gather in the NFL the Brett Favre story was that certainly for you Eric you Brett were, Favre you would be going to town on Favre like every Every single day. Yeah, uh, there's, but there's a lot of them. Like the Brett Favre thing, uh, uh, it's the kind of thing where everybody is jumping all over it, and you want to be the first one to get something good in there. And then there's like more and more crazy details, and you're just rushing your computer like, oh, my God, i got to type, i got to type. Oh, somebody beat me to it or something. <laughs> there's that. I mean, there's – I get so excited every time there's a national game where Ed Hockley is refereeing <laughs> because all you're looking at is the guns. Yeah. He brings the guns. <laughs> and if he were, uh, I mean, he tends to make some mistakes, and <laughs> that doesn't help his cause either. So he looks good and uh, a little controversial. You know what but, I think? I think his triceps are underrated. I know, I know. <laughs> you know I what know. I mean? Like we're all we're all about his biceps, I but I think the tricep when he when he goes first down and you right. see the tries, when yeah, he points yeah. in one direction. <laughs> I think I think that's valid. They're mesmerizing, and I don't know if you know he's a he's a lawyer. Uh, in like real life, you can go online. Well, He's got he hangs his shingle, I think, in New Mexico. Yeah, well, that makes sense because the guy has to defend himself a lot. <laughs> 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 and uh, how much of a sports fan is Dave? Dave's a huge sports yeah, fan. Yeah, he's a crazy. Oh my sports god! Fan. Yeah, no, during football season, it's. Uh, I talk about I'm a Charger fan. He uh-huh. talks about his Colts. Right. Uh, Justin watches the Giants, and uh, no, I mean we we talk about it all the time. So Dave, Dave's locked in on on like if the Colts get robbed in the fourth quarter. Oh of yeah, the game, no, he's... he watches the games absolutely. We come in on Monday, and we talk about what happened, and usually it's that my team is uh, is fading close to you know when the when the playoffs begin, and his team is just turning it on. No, it's uh, he's a huge sports fan. He he couldn't have been more excited than when Peyton was here after they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. That that for him, that's that's a big guess for him. He that's that. it. Yep. Wow. Doesn't get better than that. That's cool. And Justin, what were you like uh, watching the um, Giants Eagles game last year in the fourth quarter? Are you are you are you uh, I'll, I'll, calm? I'll you, how are, how do you watch a, how do you watch a game? I'll tell you exactly how I watch a game. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter <laughs> who's playing. It doesn't matter what's going on. When football comes on, that is my chance to get away from the wife and the kids. And I get to lock myself in the basement, and I tell him, uh, baby, daddy's got to go watch football. I have to know what's going on for the big show tomorrow. Don't you understand? And then it's like, but someone, ha- you know, someone has to take the kids to, like, a little ballet party. Or, uh, or you know, the kids want to put makeup on your face. Don't you understand? Daddy can't play Barbies right now. Daddy has to go watch the big game. Yeah. So that's my chance to go sneak away. Right. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's uh, I, I, I think the answer is it's relaxing. Yeah. The, the, the lockout's going to hurt a lot of people. It's really going to hurt Justin. It's really going to hurt me. 
It's going to put me in the lot. You're going to see like an angry guy sitting in the corner of a lot of kids' birthday parties. Like, oh, man. We're, 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 beginning, it's, we're beginning to peel away the layers to find out who the lockout is affecting. Yeah. And, and now you're one, obviously, yes. Justin. I didn't think yes. about that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the article this week that came out that the chicken wing industry yeah. is, is in danger. Yes. If there is, if, think about it. If there's no Sunday, the appetizers go down uh, as well. But does that mean we'll be overrun with chickens? Does that mean that they'll, they'll wow. still be alive? That's true. So yeah. if you eat less chickens, yeah. they'll, they'll be like, extrapolate out. There's fewer slaughtering or butchering of chickens. So what you're saying is that the cities that have NFL franchises will be overrun with chickens if there's a lockout. <laughs> Look out. See, these are, these are again, the unintended, unknown, previously unknown right. effects of the all, lockout. All, all I know is uh, whether there's wings, no wings, I'm going to keep buying my, peeps, my pizza from the good folks at Papa John's Pizza. There you go. <laughs> They're the proud sponsors of this podcast. Exactly. And hey, you get, you get, uh, you get free pizza cards. Just by oh. just by calling in more than Darren Ravel gave you, Eric. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> not even a slice. Nothing. Not even a slice. Yeah. You didn't get a slice. Nothing. You got nothing. Nope. You'll get nope. nothing and like it. What was the? Were you guys? How long have you been with uh, with the with the Lake Show? Fourteen years. Yeah, fourteen. Years. Oh man. So were you there when when Biff started going out to Super Bowls and things of that nature? Oh yeah. In fact, uh, Eric, Eric, how many Super Bowls did you go to with Biff? I only covered uh, World Series with him. Oh, Eric! Eric would go to the World Series, and right. and Eric did all the spring training pieces with Eric Biff and the Yankees. Um, I did, for some reason, I was sent on uh, on one Super Bowl piece, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not the biggest football fan. And I was sent, and and it made sense because the talent was Tony Randall, who knew nothing about football, <laughs> like zero. Yeah. So I'm sent on the road with. Tony Randall and his wife, and we go to the to the Super Bowl, and, and I'm with an an older man. Yes, and you have one shot at this. It's not like the Super Bowl goes on like a week. You've got like one shot at this, and like 20 minutes into shooting, he's like, "I think I need a nap." And I'm like, "No, no, no! You can't have a nap. I just need to sit down for a little while." And I'm like, "Okay." So we we he he kept sitting down and resting, and and I realized about halfway through the game, I called Eric and I said, I think I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't know what we're getting. Uh, I just know that he spent the majority of the time napping and resting. <laughs> the only thing I remember from that piece is yeah. at the end, uh, you know, when when the celebrations going on. I guess it was uh, Super Bowl 33. Everyone's going nuts on the field, and Tony Randall is standing there with his arms in the air, saying "Bravo, everyone! Bravo, everyone!" <laughs> One of my I'm a huge Odd Couple fan. Huge yeah. Odd Couple fan. One yeah. of my favorite Odd Couples of all time was when Felix went into the Monday Night Football booth. Oh, sure, oh, sure. With uh, Oscar and Howard Cosell. Yeah. And Oscar uh, was uh, speechless for whatever reason, so Felix grabs the microphone and starts calling the play-by-play that Roger Staubach fades back elegantly. He's scrambling, scrambling with the dexterity of a lizard. (laughs) The all-time great odd couples. And then uh, Oscar was totally silent and Howard Cosell, don't worry folks, don't adjust your sets. You're hearing everything Oscar Madison knows about football. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I, when I was with with uh, Tony Randall, uh, I was not going to ask. I, w- I was a huge Odd Couple fan, and yeah. I wasn't going to ask any questions. I was sort of just going to stay focused on what we, were, what we were doing. We had a lot of downtime, and then all of a sudden, halfway through the weekend, he's telling Odd Couple stories. Oh. And I was loving every second of it. And also, uh, in the mid-'80s, Eric and I were friends uh, with Alan Arkin, the actor, and, oh, and sure. his family. And the In-Laws, mid- one of the funniest movies right. of all time, That's The In-Laws, right. with right. Peter Falk. Yep. And uh, Alan directed a series of Eagle Chips commercials with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman together. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, Alan invited us to the set. This is again like 1989 or something like that, and uh, and I met Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, and we were there for like the whole day, and it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, I was like a young punk. I had like long hair because I was rebelling against the system. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Tony Randall back then, uh, when I was introduced to him, it was like this is uh, Justin Stengel. He said, uh, "You have lovely hair." <laughs> So now jump ahead to Super Bowl weekend uh, when I, I've now run out of everything to talk about. I said, actually, you know, we met right. uh, in the late 80s, uh, Alan Arkin, Eagle Chips commercial. You turned to me, you said uh, that I have lovely hair. And he looked at me again and said, you do. <laughs> <laughs> when I worked up at uh, at ESPN, um, just to, when I had two days off, I had to escape uh, central Connecticut. No offense to the nutmeg staters out there who are listening, but I I had to I had to spend some time in my I'm from New York City. So I got a spot on the Upper West Side for my days off and I come back running from the park. It was a beautiful day. I'm sweating bullets and as I'm walking back to my apartment, who comes walking down with uh pushing two babies in yeah. a carriage? But Tony Randall, who I've never met before. And I just, you know, I mean, I'm a huge Odd Couple fan, like I said. So he's dressed, again, it's a a broiling summer day. He is dressed like Felix Unger in a (laughs) double-breasted sport coat and tie. And I swear, in a striped shirt. And I just, you know, even though I'm sweating and I'm disgusting, uh, I didn't extend my hand because I knew that, you know, I'm ta- he ha- he's, has to have some Felixisms in him, right? Because he played him so well, exactly. right? So I say to him, I'm like, Tony, I do the whole business. Tony Randall, you're the funniest, you're the greatest. I'm a huge Odd Couple fan, and I just had to stop you and, and tell you that. And he doesn't break stride. He keeps walking with his two kids, and, uh, and he goes, why, thank you. And then he turns around and says to me, but I would think you would compliment me on my children. <laughs> and kept walking. And I'm like, that is, I couldn't have scripted it any better. That meeting, you know? <laughs> but I think you would compliment me on my children. Like he was correcting me on how, on how to approach him and tell him what I like about him. That's great. Just yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. And, and another uh, story. I, I So, Eric, if you were at uh, World Series with Biff, yep. uh, I was I covered from 96 through 2001 every World Series for ESPN through 2002, actually. Yep. And I'll never forget the Subway Series in 2000. Were you yep. on the field? I that? was not. You no, were not. I was, I was, uh, we were head writers by then. Oh, so you, that, you were above that fray at this point. Well, not time. above it. We, no, just, we, we, we were locked in an office. <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> we, we, we missed actually going outside and seeing the sunlight. And, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> people. but those were like the best things to do. Is to be, like I was on the field when, when the Yankees won the World Series in 98 and uh, 99. And I, just the whole time I was thinking, this is completely insane. There's no reason why I should be here. We were there. I did a 97, 98, 99 with Biff, and 
it was so cool because the players love him. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. Yeah, and he's a great guy, and Biff's up to do anything. And you just you keep finding yourself in places where you think, why why am I even here? This is a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And like, and Eric shot a piece once. This was again probably around ninety seven, ninety eight. Uh, something where Dave was hitting a baseball on, uh, it was at Yankee Stadium, wasn't yeah. it? And uh, and you're standing there, Eric's standing there on the field, and they're setting up the shot and they're moving the cameras around. And at some point, Eric is having a catch with uh, some production guys and Dave at Yankee Stadium. And yeah. you're just kind of looking around like, what the hell happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was on the field at Shea Stadium after the Yankees won the World Series, and it's mm-hmm. a mosh pit. People are going crazy. Tory's on being carried on people's shoulders and whatever. And Paul O'Neill had a huge series. He was great right. in that series. And uh, I was tasked with going and getting interviews in the scrum uh, for ESPN Radio and ESPN simulcasted together. And we were going to go and get Paul O'Neill. Where's Paul O'Neill? Where's Paul O'Neill? I finally find him in the mess. <laughs> and he's being interviewed by Biff Henderson. Of course he is. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll just wait till he's done. Wait a minute. I'm waiting for Paul O'Neill to get done with Biff <laughs> Henderson. <laughs> Well, that happens all the time. It's like when we go into these things, people keep saying, you know, when when the series is over, make sure that you don't you don't bother the players. There'll be a time for you to interview people, and so we're very respectful. We listen to the rules. We we uh, we, we don't want to step on any toes. But the players come running up to Biff, and they they want to be interviewed. It's so it's like, yeah, it's cool. He is. He he is. He's fun. I met him for the first time at this year's Super Bowl. Yeah. And he, you know, he interviewed me for a couple of uh, questions. I was honored. I was yep. honored to be interviewed yep, by yeah. your stage manager. There was a nice shot of you in the piece. There yeah, was. Yeah. It was fantastic. I was. Yep. I, mean, I got uh, tons of tweets and and stuff uh, off of that. So uh, so are you guys um, are you guys talking about writing about the lockout jokes at all for Dave or this is just no? This, there's this stuff. Is... Yep. There's some things that are uh, are in development. Okay. That we've been working on, um, you know, perhaps uh, we have some animation for a new Madden game, which might be coming out <laughs> having to do with a lockout. That's that right. Yeah, All yeah. Right. we've been working on it uh, slowly for the last few weeks. Hopefully, uh, you people will see it maybe next week. Okay, yeah, but fantastic. Uh, you know, everybody wants football, but uh, <sighs> this stuff has to get really get sorted out. It's it's very similar to when, I guess, when the, the writers, with the, ours was a strike, but... Uh, when we went on strike a few years ago, it was just it was bad for business, bad for everybody, and uh, nobody nobody wants to lose football. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And Eric, I don't know if you saw the uh, the comment this week that AJ Smith, the general manager yes. of your beloved Chargers, offered yes. <laughs> offered his negotiation yes. abilities. To... Oh, he's a real charmer. So I think uh, I think that's a good move. <laughs> I, I was just wondering. I, I wish I could be the fly on the wall when Vincent Jackson opened the paper and read that. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That'll hey, solve everything. Hey guys, thanks for calling in. Uh, I really appreciate it. What you guys do for a living brings so much joy to so many people. I don't want to sound uh, cliche or hoary about it, but I, I, you know, what you guys do. Uh, certainly, when you're sitting in a room, you may not know, but uh, it is so greatly appreciated. And uh, personally, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, how much I enjoy your show and what you guys do. And and thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you. We're big fans of yours. Yeah, thank you, Barry. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Are you going to be at the draft? Because I know that's the one time I actually physically met you guys was yep. at the we'll, draft. We will be there this yeah, year. Yeah, we're planning on going. Okay, yeah. well, let me know so I don't have to just lean over the railing of the set <laughs> and just wave at you guys and Tom Keeney down below, you know? Yeah, yeah. oh, I know. We're, and we're going to bring our buddy Tom Keeney and Tom Keeney. 
Yes. Uh, who uh, who your buddies with yes. too, right? Yes, indeed. With Rubenstein Communications, uh, he does the PR for Late Show, and and you know. When Eric and I tweet stuff, yes. Uh, uh, the other thing is, if if uh, if we ever tweet the wrong thing, he our, the thing we fear is he's going to call and be like, "What are you guys That's doing?" He's monitoring. He's the big yeah. brother. Oh yeah, he's the big. He's oh, he's just got your back. Yeah, That's he has what, our back. He and, really has our back. He's and, a good guy. And there is nobody better than Tom no. Keeney to have your back. Exactly. End of story. End so of story. Let me let me know in advance that when you guys are going to be. Cool. Uh, that week. Uh, and again, uh, it's at Eric Stangle, S-T-A-N-G-E-L, yep. and at Justin underscore Stangle. Yeah, I had to do that because someone uh, was, was, for whatever reason, pretending to be me on Twitter. That's an, uh, is that for real? Yeah, I swear. And, and it's like, out of all the people on the entire earth you could pick, why would you pick me? And he's forced you to go underscore just well, for that. Well, you know what? I got that guy removed. <laughs> you got him removed? <laughs> I did. I got that guy removed. Well, listen, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank it's you a pleasure. for and I look for, anytime. Time. Thank you. Uh, that's okay. Eric and Justin Stangle, the head writers and executive producers of The Late Show with David Letterman on the podcast. Now we turn to some in-studio guests. Joining me on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's for a third time now. A third time from Curb Your Enthusiasm, one of the funniest guys I know, Jeff Garland. Good to see you. Hello, my handsome friend. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm you're, okay. You're well? Yeah, I'm well. You're, you, look a, you look a slight bit peaked. Well, I haven't eaten anything today, and I'm not allowed to because tomorrow I, I have to have a clear liquid diet today. You're, you're, you're flat out on a liquid diet today for some... Well, what's the thing called? The colonoscopy uh, Colonoscopy I have tomorrow. It hey, should be very exciting. And everybody should have one of these. Everyone should. Oh, my God, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. This and... is not for fun. You're not doing this for fun. No, that's where you're wrong, Rich. I am doing it. <laughs> Purely for fun. I think everyone should do these because they're so fun. <laughs> they're so much fun. Yeah. So you got I, some wonderful pictures. Wonder pictures. They give you pictures. I think so. I don't want to see pictures of my <laughs> colon. I don't. I really. That's not. I, I have no curiosity. If there's problems, fix it. Right. That's, I have that, no curiosity whatsoever. <laughs> you don't want to know how this. Uh, the sausage yeah. is made. You just yeah. want to know. You yeah. Know, that's it. I don't want to see in my colon. That would be crazy. <laughs> see, the funny thing is, you know I, what, do. Rich? I, I do. I don't even want to see my own testicles. <laughs> There's nothing on my body I want to see that isn't at an angle that I can already see it. I have enough trouble looking at my face in the mirror in the morning, let alone to see my my balls or, or my intestines. Oh, man. Yeah. So that's so that's why and that's why you're you have some water. Please yes, hydrate. Drinking, hydrate as I'm much as possible. I'm drinking the Aquafina. There you go. That's I, the, I, I like that's Aquafina. The, it's you know, the, the, last un, it's time the unofficial drink of the Rich Eisen podcast. Let me say something about Aquafina. Yes. I mentioned how much I enjoy Aquafina uh, in Chicago on a radio station. They sent me cases of it. Is that right? Yes. So it, yes. Are, all right, so do you really like the product, or I do. Are, you, are you hoping to get cases from no, it from but, this? No, but the thing, no, come on, I, I'm rich, I can afford anything. <laughs> but uh, no, I love Aquafina, I'm pro-Aquafina. Everyone else goes, you know, it's reverse osmosis, what's the big deal? Mm. It tastes clean and fresh. It's, it's what is it? It's, it's pure water. It's pure water, perfect taste. There you go. Bottoms up. Here Bottoms you go, up. please, you. skull. And as you drink, I will formulate my next question. Okay, ready. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. We're yes. back. So, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, yes. season eight. eight. We'll be premiering in jo- July. July. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Big time news for yeah. every fan of this program. Season yeah. eight, but how many years has it been on the air? Well, we've been working on the show since 1999. 
Now, what was your? How did this here. get started? Let's get into this. How, how did it get started? Yeah, how did it get started? Well, there was a work stoppage in the NFL. <laughs> and <laughs> Great uh, things come from such things. Yeah, um, no, uh, Larry and I, I was writing a television show with uh, a very funny man named Alan Zweibel. Mm-hmm. And Larry shared offices with him. And I knew Larry from stand-up. And we went to lunch, and he was talking about stand-up, and I said, I have a great idea for something if you ever want to do, like, an HBO special, and that led to Curb Your Enthusiasm. So you went to Larry and said, this is an idea. Yeah, and then the next day he goes, let's do it, you know. He wanted to talk to his wife, and then we did it. And we, we met with Chris Albrecht, and boom, we, we And did you it. put, yeah, because it, it I was... I had a, no idea, I mean, come on, that it would become what it's become. It's unbelievable. So it's not, like, you know, and I certainly went to the right guy. If I went to somebody else, I wouldn't be. Well, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, right? You think I would not be? Sitting I think here. you would be. I think it was destined that you and I would become oh, friends okay, and talk right. to one another. By the podcasts. way, it feels that way. It feels like I've known you my whole life. I feel the Doesn't same it? way. It's, it's just kind of funny, you know. But uh, yeah, I feel like we were at each other's bar mitzvahs. Well, I was at your 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 daughter's television bat mitzvah. Do you know how oh, many yes, times? You, yes, you, do you were. Know how many times That's I get really calls funny. and emails and tweets from out of the blue. Yes, when when the bat mitzvah. Uh, look out! Was that my microphone? Yes. Here's what we do: we just pick it up and uh, and put yeah. it back on. And that was and that was an Aquafina moment. Moment here. <laughs> Let me help you out there. Here, I, I think I'm. Mike oh, Del Tufo has just come running. Mike, in. Mike, come here. Do it. Come back Please, in. Here, I'm in that. Mike Del Tufo. Say hello, Mike, on the microphone. How are you guys doing out That's there? Mike Del Tufo. Mike is, of, of course, NFL wearing uh, more NFL gear than any person should ever be allowed to wear. Are, are, the shorts, are the shorts NFL shorts? <laughs> no, it's the only thing I actually didn't have. Okay. When they make them in my size, I'll buy them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He Here is. he goes. Mike Del Tufo, everybody. He represents realize, the NFL. Do you realize that we joke with him all the time? Like, do you work for the NFL? Because he always has an NFL <laughs> oh, hat so when on, I said that NFL today. issued shirt. Yeah. And, and we always joke, do you, do you, just, who do you work for? Do you work for the Wouldn't NFL? Wouldn't it be funny when you tell. see him we outside of here, he's wearing a suit? You know, when you see him outside yes. of here. But when he comes in, he's wearing the uni. Do you know uh, a, a frequent contributor to your program, Richard Kind, who you know for yes, years? I know Richard Kind. Hello, how every are time, you, Richard? Every time I see Rich Kind, mm-hmm. he's always wearing something that he got for free. A golf shirt, golf shorts. It's always... By the way... He probably never pays for He always wears clothing. a golf shirt and yes. a golf shorts. Yes. And I don't think he's ever paid for a medical clothing. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. So Mike Del Tufo and Rich Kind should get together. They should. You know, It'd be this. Here's be the conversation. Hey, Rich, how you doing? I got to tell you something, Mike. Can we swap shirts? <laughs> I love your shirt. Now, that's a guy that should have a documentary about him. Most definitely. Well, wasn't Kind's. Hank Azaria thinking about Hank doing something? Hank was thinking about that, yeah. I but think most of the stories be. about Rich Kind cannot be told. They, they could I, in they, a documentary. Maybe Come in on. a documentary. They, could. they can't be called, told on <laughs> the air. But they could be told on a documentary. <laughs> oh, I think so. man. So, 99, it started yeah. as a special, right? Yeah, an hour special. Enthusiasm yeah. special. Yeah. Our, does that ever get replayed anywhere? Is that on sure, a DVD I, somewhere? It's or? on the season one DVD. Okay. And... Uh, it, I believe with commentary, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And that, which is rare. We've not done commentary except since the first season because Larry hated it. He hated doing commentary. He hated doing commentary. And then, um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it runs on HBO every once in a while. So, uh, what was what was Larry's stand up like? Was it, it really was, funny? Yeah. One of my favorite bits that he used to do yeah. was um, <laughs> if they had if they had answering machines in the old west. <laughs> 
like the sheriff would call for a posse, and then he'd run into the sheriff and go, Sheriff, Sheriff, I just missed your call. I just missed your call. Did you get the, whatever, the brothers, you know, the bad guys? Yeah, right. You know, I, I would have loved to have gone. I just missed it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Oh, he's, he's, he had great bits. Oh, my God. And you met him... Doing stand-up. stand-up. Yeah. I met him for the first time, actually. He was visiting Chicago mm-hmm. to see Comiskey Park before they tore it down. The old Comiskey. The old Comiskey. And I was performing at Catch a Rising Star in Chicago, and he came in wearing an old Blackhawks-like jacket. Yeah, like really? Chicago Blackhawks jacket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we had a nice conversation, and then I would see him in New York when I moved to New York. And, and then the rest is now history. The rest is now history. I saw him last night. Fantastic. It is just so funny. I mean, because it hits... It hits on, I think that just it hits on just what so many people think but never say. We never say, you know? yeah. Well, and, the thing is, it's all about uh, social graces, you know, that that uh, are put up that are kind of full of crap, you know. Right. And Larry pounds through all of them, and yet he's so it's so graceless in certain social situations as well. You know, on the show. On the show, but not in person. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not no, saying. No, because people I'm always person. ask me, is he the same? You know, that's, right. that's, that's the number one question. No, I mean, I on the show, he's got no filter. I yeah, mean, he'll none. say things in certain he situations. He does the id. The, he does the id, right. Whatever the id tells so him So it's do. funny, is, and, and, and yet the character will get so offended by what he feels is the breaking of the social grace. But you have to understand that his character is trying to get through the day with a bit of of uh, integrity and a bit of self-respect mm-hmm. and there's always people stopping him and he's a magnet for people who are angry yeah d- livid just yeah. at you know hair trigger rage and what does it all lead to good comedy Rich. it does lead to great comedy yeah, yeah that's what it leads <laughs> who's to. your favorite um who's your favorite uh, guest star on that show Guest star. Yeah. Well, I have to say my favorite person yes. period yes. in the history of show business is Ted Danson Okay. He's the greatest guy ever. He's a great actor. There is. Uh, he's, he hasn't been on the show in a long time. He's not right? actually on this season at all. If I'm, it's yeah. been it's been a couple years. No, no, he was on last year. Oh, he, he was, was on last year when he fought with uh, Rosie O'Donnell or <laughs> yeah, whatever that was. Or, um, but, but but Ted Danson. Huh? But Ted Danson is my favorite person ever in the history of. He actually because I. No, he and Regis Philbin, to me, are the right. two greatest people. They're everything that's right about show business. What, 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 well, I could guess about what Regis is, but give me your thoughts on what Regis, why he's the... Uh, well, he just, everything about him is just makes me happy. Right. You know, the way he talks, yes, Jeff! You know, he's, he's just so kind and so entertaining mm-hmm. and so... There's a level of po- there's just so much positivity between, with with Regis and Ted Danson in the work that they do and the way that you know they treat other people and it's it's really wonderful to watch. It's I mean Regis, uh, I think it is true that he's been on television more than anybody ever. Right? He spent more minutes. Could be. On, could, that's what he says that he's in the Guinness Book of World Records. He might. He might be for spending more my, minutes. Can on I TV tell you my opinion anybody. right now? I don't yes. think the dude should retire. I don't think he's. How about this? I don't think he's going to. I would love if he might. He might. He might leave. You know the 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 show. Kelly. Yeah. I bet you. I'm just going to say that. Well, by the way, I'd be happy, happy, happy. He's not. He's not inept yet. You know the the older inept, like where you go, okay, Mm. lay it down. Like Chris Berman, for example. (laughs) Should should really just you're terrible. He was nominated for an Emmy, Sports uh, Emmy. Yeah, I know he was and for for outstanding studio host. I think Two and a Half Men's been nominated for things too. 
There's no, there's no logic to what's What do you not have it. against Berman? What do you got against Berman? I have nothing against Berman. I'm okay. sure he's a fine gentleman. I don't know him. I never met him. But he annoys me, such as most people on ESPN annoy <laughs> the crap out of me. Uh, what's the guy with the Monday Night Football annoys me? What do you mean? Gruden? No. Uh, the, what's his name? The guy from me, the specific ESPN guy. From on Monday Night Football, yeah, Tarico, yeah. Ugh. Oh, dude, oh, come big on. ball of boring. No, he's big not. ball of. He's, he's so just he not. sucks. No, he does yes, not he does. suck. Okay, Chris Berman sucks. He doesn't dude, suck. Okay, dude, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on. The only reason I'm talking about this because I know your listeners know who these people no, are. Of course they do. I don't get but, the opportunity I mean, on other no, talk shows. Oh no, wait. Hold on. No. Here I am saying how nice Ted Danson yes. and Regis Philbin. So you're I'm making up doing. for it. You're 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 but, now you're now the average is you're way, just going to be. Pleasant. I said I didn't know what kind of people they are. So, at any rate, let's yeah. let's move. Let's get off. No, of I, I want to just slam ESPN. Yeah, what do you mean you want to? You already have. Okay, you already right. have. There we go. Uh, okay. What what are your favorite um, ESPN? Yeah, what are your favorite ESPN personnel? Who are your favorite <laughs> ESPN? Tell me some more about how much. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Uh, your your um, your favorite uh, comedy movies. Of all time, we just we just mentioned but peripherally with the Stangle Brothers, uh, the movie The In Laws with uh, oh the original Falk one Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. Oh, Arkin. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, other yeah, one. Got, yeah, yeah. Well, I love it, Albert Brooks, well, but, but I mean, yeah, no, no. Albert Brooks is great. But uh, well, speaking of Albert Brooks, Modern Romance, mm-hmm. Love, yes, Groundhog Day is very important to me. Um, Albert Brooks' Modern Romance is your favorite yeah. Albert Brooks movie? Oh yeah. Well, actually, there. Yeah. I, by the way, it's not as funny. It's Lost in America's is funny, right? But Modern Romance is my favorite. Okay. Um, I think that uh, Sleeper is pretty gosh darn That's hilarious. your favorite Woody Allen movie? That's, no. Of the, of the, the comedy ones. Yeah, it's comedy. Oh, I actually, thought no, Bananas crime, is his funniest. Crimes and Misdemeanors is probably my favorite Woody well, Allen movie. Well, I mean, movie. That, that's, that's that's not a comedy. You no, know I know. I mean? It isn't. No, no, I know. But I'm, that's why his I said favorite, Sleeper. Yes, Crimes and Misdemeanors. You but, like yeah, that here's another one. You, hold on a minute. You like that better than Hannah and her sisters? Yes, but Hannah and her sisters is Crimes perfect. and Misdemeanors has the best Alan Alda scene, the one yeah, about the comedy. Yeah, the comedy bend it. Right, if it bends, bends it's funny. It's funny. If it breaks. If it breaks. Well, because comedy is tragedy plus time. Yeah, that's... That was He was fantastic, and that, those scenes right. you're mentioning are funny. Um, right. My, uh, my favorite uh, comedy director was Ernst Lubitsch. And my favorite movie he ever made was To Be or Not To Be with Jack Benny. That's probably number, my number one comedy of is all time. That right. Yeah. I love the Marx Brothers. Duck Soup is pretty. Uh, does it does it stand up still? I mean, you. Oh want... my God! Does it stand up? Oh my God! It's perfection, man. Right. It's still laugh out loud funny from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Um, I love uh, uh, Sherlock Junior. Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. I could just go. I mean, you know what I mean. You're, you're no, talking. No, but you're, to... you're throw... This is way back. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, knew, yeah. I, I know you're sort of like, like an encyclopedic knowledge of this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I ask. That's what I asked. Where does Daddy Daycare rank in this whole thing? And it doesn't rank. <laughs> it's not even allowed to be mentioned in the same <laughs> oh, breath. No. You're pulling an ESPNer. <laughs> I did that. By mentioning Daddy Daycare. Daddy Daycare is a fine, you know, bad kids movie. It was, it's, a, it's, a fine, it's not it's bad. A, well, it here's wasn't a, bad. It's a kids movie. No, as a kids movie, it's okay. Here's the thing. It's like one of those kids movies that as an adult, if you watch with your kids, you don't want to die. <laughs> there are times I was with my children where I would be like saying to myself, kill me. Kill me, like you know, whatever his movie's playing, or right. I would just spend my time. Like my kids would say to me, and you'll mm-hmm. understand this: stop staring at me, because I hated the movie, so I just stared at my children, <laughs> which bring me brings me great joy. And they would, of course, go watch the movie, stop staring. And then my favorite thing was I went to see um, 
one of those uh, Pokemon movies once with my uh, older boy when he was uh, very young. And uh, I would use that time to take naps. And he would wake <laughs> me up to not miss good parts. That's adorable. It is. That's fantastic. And I could never say to him, Daddy needs to sleep. I would go, oh, thanks, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you would take your child to movie theaters in order to get some rust. Well, doing? the Pokemon, yes. That was, that, was, that, was, that was the entire... I had to go, so I thought, I'm going to get some good nap time. You know, I wish right. I meditated back then. Right. <laughs> I do now. You do now? Yeah, I do transcendental meditation. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, it is fantastic. So I'm going to see my next Kirby Enthusiasm is July. July. Are and we wrapping up? I just yeah, we are. Like, we are wrapping. That was a See, wrapping. I like just... I could sit here for an hour, man. I could, too. I wish. I've yeah. got. I've got, uh, I've got Jeffrey Ross... I'm so much more interesting than he is. I know. <laughs> Please. Uh, I don't know what. When is Jeffrey Ross getting here? Soon? He's getting here very shortly. Okay. He's, he's a good. He's one of my close he's, friends. He's, he's a, a, great he's a yeah. sweetheart. And really crazy funny. Crazy, crazy funny. Yeah, I know. I, I, I dig him. Is there so. anything we want to promote by we that was just the, maybe anything maybe you and I were uh, Maybe the Royal We? No, I no, don't. No. I, I'm, see, here's the thing. It's very Do nice you want to promote say. your colonoscopy. You have my colonoscopy tomorrow. Jeff, where I, you won't Jeff be with, Garland's it's colonoscopy. It's not going to be on camera. Yeah, but it won't be on TV. <laughs> um, but you know, th that being said, you know, R Rich, I come here because I love you. I yes. don't come here because I want to promote anything. Okay. That's but even if you did promote something, I wouldn't take that as an offense to me. I though. know that. I know. But let me ask you a question, just for future reference. Yes. If I, let's say I was promoting something, mm. is this a good thing? This podcast to promote yes. things. Yes. Do people it's buy the thing? It's downloadable, and yeah. it's it's yes, it's right there on NFL.com. All right, good. But I have nothing. ITunes. We're top. We're top ten uh, podcast on the sports. Are you really? Yes. Well, why wouldn't you be? We are. Who's number one? You're uh, not number uh, one. Bill Simmons. Bill oh, Simmons, oh, dude, he sits there on the front of ESPN.com. Okay. They have billions yes, of hits. Yes, he's got billions of hits. But and let he, me tell you something. Don't tell me you find him annoying, too. I do. Oh, goodness. I hate everything at ESPN. Stop it. Stop no, I do. Oh, I, I like him as a comedy writer, though. He's very funny. He's, yeah. he's incredibly prolific. Yeah, but... Uh, he's the envy of a lot of people in our he should He should shut up and stop writing. <laughs> And that's a perfect way to wrap things up. Jeff Garland, uh, it's good to I see don't you. even know Bill Simmons. I know you don't. He's slamming him. And can I, I tell you something? You I actually bought no his basketball book. I think he's excellent. He is excellent. I'm actually messing around there, but I do hate ESPN. <laughs> Jeff Garland of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, you're the executive producer of that show as well, are you not? One of, uh, yes. One of the cast of thousands. Well, you know, when it started, I was one of two. Mm-hmm. Myself and Larry David, and then sort of as the years go by, people get that credit. Jeff Garland, you can come back to this podcast anytime. I, I'm honored to and, be here and honored to be in the same room with and you. And I'm going to say something to you I've never said to anyone else. What's that? Good luck on your colonoscopy. You've never told anyone that? Never. No. Really? Never had a case. I know you've never said that on the air, probably. Definitely not. But but really, you've never I'm had a case. I'm living out my dream. I'm living out a dream right now. Have you done yours yet? You haven't done yours yet, no. have you? No, not yet, yet. Yeah, you're too young. I'm 40. Yeah. I, should, I probably should. I'm having a physical this week. Maybe. Well, you're supposed to 50. Uh, is there such a thing as a surprise colonoscopy? No, there is that's no okay. such thing. <laughs> okay. Because I'm having a physical this that's week. That's an invasion that we, we really, there should be a lawsuit or something. You know, I heard at ESPN they do that when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's called ESPN, the colonoscopy. Yeah, and Chris Berman or Stuart Scott Stop does it. Stop it. Jeff Garland. They put, they put Chris Berman up your ass and he tells you what things are like up there. That'll wrap things up. <laughs> With Jeff Garland here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. And now, last but certainly not least. Well, I don't this, have to be last. Well, I, listen, 
because you bring up you you always last. You're the you're the you're the home run cleanup hitter in everything. Put that the you Letterman do. guys on last. I go first. It is none other than the roastmaster general himself, the uh, roasting legend, Jeffrey Ross. Good to see you. Hey, pal. You are the best. You know that. You know I already feel that way about you. Thank you, man. We. You know how long we've known each other now? I do know. It's been uh, almost twelve years. Yeah, it's probably. been that. It's been. It's been ten years. Almost. Yeah, a little bit. Ten years. Because I met you. Here's. Here's. I met you, uh, mid September of two thousand one. Okay. We wow. were. At, we, that's what it was. So the Hef roast was our first the date. Hef roast was our first date. Love that. You are because you. Uh, you and I met at uh, mutual friend uh, John Mosley's party. Uh huh. And you didn't know me from Adam. You don't right. know, and but I knew you from your work. Sure, the B. Arthur joke, <laughs> one of the greatest jokes of all time. And outlives B. Arthur that joke. <laughs> it's going to outlive you. That joke. That joke is one of the all-time greatest roast jokes. Period. End of story. And uh, and and you invited me uh, to the Hugh Hefner roast. Right. Well, I didn't know you from Adam, and that's why I invited you. I was like, this is Mosley's friend. He's a good guy. Yeah. I recognize him. Uh, you know, I I didn't watch Sports Center at three a.m. back then, but I didn't know they had a breakfast show. <laughs> but you know, yeah. you've matured into a quite a quite a good guy. I've matured. Well, it's been part of your process, and I'll never forget that night. That that Hefner roast was one of the all. Wh- where do you rank that Hefner roast? Number one. It's number one, right? Yeah. Period. We raised six hundred thousand dollars for the Twin Towers Fund before we even knew what that meant. Right. Three weeks out of nine eleven. It was the one of the funniest roasts ever, and you had, as you like to remind me, you know some of the great minds of New York. Period, and not just New York, but I mean, and 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 because uh, I, I I'll never forget strolling in because it was uh, just right after nine eleven, as you pointed out. Right, it was sort of the first time that that the city did something. Right, uh, uh, other than a sporting event. Right, I mean, it was a, it was a huge social event. I was. And- I was a producer on the show, and we right. had a real hard decision to make, you know, uh, whether to keep the truck rentals going the weekend after 9-11. Do right. we really want to try to do a show mm-hmm. three weeks after 9-11 right. that entailed tuxedos and dick jokes galore? <laughs> You're right. And it was a tough choice. And I remember, like, consulting uh, Buddy Hackett, and uh, I said, what did you do after John Kennedy was shot? Like, mm-hmm. how did you... He goes... I waited until he was buried, and I walked on stage in Las Vegas because there was a lot of people there on vacation who couldn't, who had nothing to do. They right. were just walking around in a stupor. And I walked out, and I said, oh, the country, he, Buddy said uh, to the audience, he said, the country has lost a, fr- a president. I have lost a president and a friend, and that's all I'm going to say about it. And he mm-hmm. did a show. He did a show. So to me, the roast goes on. The show had to go on. And, and uh you know, you like I said, you you. I'll never forget. You said to me, "Do you have a tuxedo in town?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do." And then I showed up with the tuxedo, right? And there was a huge amount of paparazzi there, right? Huge. I mean, the media presence there was massive. Well, it was either that or Ground Zero. I was, I was, it really was not. It was, and everyone wanted to laugh. Everyone wanted to come out and have a laugh in the worst possible way. Right. And I'll never forget. You were right there in the middle of the room. You were doing like a pre-game show on Comedy Central, right? <laughs> you were right there in the middle, uh-huh. uh, and 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 I strolled through the 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 gauntlet of cameras, like uh, to the stage where they had the award you were giving Hugh Hefner that night. Right, the Friars Award. The Friars Award, right? 
And I'll never forget this because they 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 wanted uh, whoever was on the dais, two two celebrities who were on the dais, to stand next to the award. And I <laughs> didn't have another celebrity to stand next to. Do you remember this at all? Another? I don't okay. remember this. I, I didn't have another celebrity to stand next to <laughs> until strolling out of nowhere was Kylie Bax, oh. this tall six foot two Australian, I guess, or German playboy model of the moment right and she was wearing her grandma's doily no <laughs> she was wearing a see-through sort of uh completely see-through body stocking these pictures are googleable googleable 100 percent. and i'll never forget the paparazzi that like the one or two that was taking a picture of me <laughs> somebody screams out when she came on the stage to me would you mind stepping away <laughs> <laughs> That's the night. That's the way the night started, and I'll never forget it. I remember uh, Sarah Silverman. Um, who else? Jimmy uh, Kimmel was the roast master. Right. We okay. had Drew Carey. We had uh, Stephen Colbert. Colbert. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. They were and they were on Comedy Central at the time. Right. They were just the Daily Show. breaking out as comedians, and um, obviously Hugh Hefner. Right. He and and you you killed it too. Gil and and Gilbert Gottfried. That was the night where. He said a 9-11 joke, right. and people screamed out too soon. Right. And he went into his aristocrats joke, which was the genesis of that movie that came out. That great documentary. On the joke. And now people think Gilbert is, um, suddenly they think he's crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly Aflac thought so. And in the roast with uh, with Donald Trump, he made another 9-11 joke, and you screamed out. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> You did it again. Oh, man. That was great. That, what did you think of the Trump roast? I thought I that was one of the it. best. That was, was one of the best I've seen in a long time. Yeah, good. Yeah, I did. I really did. I agree. It was the most watched we've ever done. Is that right? And, um, you know, and I don't even think it's Trump, with all due respect to Trump. Mm -hmm. I think the roasts are getting more popular. Mm -hmm. We could roast Kylie back, and we would do a, a good rating <laughs> yeah, at this right. point. So I feel like the roasts are sort of growing mm -hmm. uh, into something Why do you new. think? What do you think? I think that Comedy Central is really good at making them a cultural event that people look forward to. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't do too many where they wear it out. And they're very careful about picking targets that are, um, have a lot of meat on the bone. <laughs> Trump Hassle obviously off. could have been a three-part miniseries. <laughs> and I just think that it's, it's become like a national pastime. Busting chops is becoming really popular. I hear a lot of people... Um, talk about doing roasts in their backyard. They do roasts for their buddy's retirement, their bachelor party. Mm -hmm. In my book, I give all these joke writing, roast writing tips, and mm -hmm. people are using them. It's not about celebrities anymore. It's about just, you know, the camaraderie, the camaraderie of it. You know, when somebody gets roasted, they feel like Frank Sinatra and their buddies are the Rat Pack. Right, right, right. I only roast the ones uh, I love, which is a book that came out uh some paperback now. Paperback yeah. right now. Yeah, and and but that that's a great title. I only roast the ones I love because that is, you know, I kid because I care. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I, I only. I, I like that. You know what I mean? That's like, my sequel. That that's it. I kid because I care. Right. That's it. I kid because I care. Because because you can handle it. You know, and and I think people love that aspect of it. And like Snoop was superb. He was great. He was great at this I Trump he roast. Was great at the Trump roast. He does. Um, he was on the fence about it. Why? I don't know why. That could only be answered by him. But I knew my producer pal, Joel Gallen, said, mm -hmm. you know, Snoop's on the fence. He hasn't committed. 
And of course, I'm like, huh, boy, it'd be great to have him because yeah. he's just so cool and he's so good at it. He was and, super. And then I run into him at the NBA All-Star game. Uh-huh. And he, I said, Snoop, you got to do the roast. And he gave me a hug and he didn't commit. And the next day I called Joel and I said, send him the jokes. Just have the guys write up something for mm-hmm. him. Right. If he gets the material and he reads it to his buddies, he'll laugh and right. he'll commit. And a, boom, the next day next he committed. Day he in. And, and of course, he's a highlight. He killed it. Yeah. He was awesome. He was great. Uh, what's the name of the new guy? Anthony Jeselnik. He was fantastic. Yeah. He was laugh out loud hilarious. This is what uh, the roasts have become. Where like right. Anthony used to write for the roasts. Is that right? And it's like a farm team where we promote them onto the dais. Whitney Cummings used to write for the roasts, and now she's a star she of the roasts. Yes, indeed. So it's really exciting to see it growing like this. That's fat. He was laugh out loud hilarious. Oh my gosh, he's great. And it's really the reason that. I wanted to save the room from going into anarchy when this situation went on. Well, it helped that he came on after it. Well, I wanted Anthony to have a good audience for his first roast. I didn't want him to walk into a rodeo, Mm -hmm. so uh, (laughs) I did what I could. A rodeo? What's what's the terminology about a rodeo? Rowdy. Rowdy, crazy, I don't know. Well, it's a situation. Oh, my goodness. That was bad. Oh boy! But you, 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 you got up. You, you threw your arm around him. You had to do that. I was proud of you at that, that was, moment. Thank you, buddy. I was very proud of you at that moment. That because was because he needed some help. He needed a lifeline right there in the worst possible way. You can't leave a guy drowning on your show. It's just <laughs> not the right thing to do. You know what I'm saying? He's not a professional comedian. Mm-hmm. He's up there. He's trying to be part of this little team here that we mm-hmm. have doing the roast. He's getting made fun of all night. Yes, he is. He finally gets his turn. He's in over his head. It just shows you that professionals need to be doing these roasts. When yes. you put an amateur up there, it can get very ugly. We've seen that before. And I wanted to do what I could. My duty is the roast master general, <laughs> not to let this guy eat his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he had a three-course meal. <laughs> I, you know. I got it right before dessert. I saved him. <laughs> right. And was Trump, did Trump, uh, was he a good sport about it? Because you even said, you know, tell your face. You know, if you're having fun, tell your face. Yeah, well, he, we had a couple conversations during the course of the evening. Yeah. You know, he looked at to me because I had known him before. Well, you, I remember that's, didn't you meet him the night of the Hefner roast? Wasn't I, that the I met first, him then. One of the first and, times? and I also had done work for him down in his estate at Mar-a-Lago. I've mm-hmm. done shows, private parties for him. And I've right. been on... I'd been on his plane, Air Force One. <laughs> so I considered him a friend, and I think he looked to me for guidance once the show started. I don't think he expected it to be that rough. And after the first act, when Seth MacFarlane really ripped into him. Yes, he did. And Seth was great. He had a whole swagger I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see that, too. Coming into his second roast, he had a lot of really great stuff. Yeah. And I think that first commercial break happened, and Trump was sort of, whoa. whoa. <laughs> and it wasn't even all about Trump. It was like we were making fun of Larry King and everybody else. And, you know, they had a deaf woman on the day. It's like <clears throat> we had never done a roast quite this hard. We'll get to her in a second. But I, I look at Trump, and he's so, so – he just didn't ex- – what's the word I'm looking for? Blindsided by the, yeah. by the venom. But he's been at roasts, though. I've roasted him before. The Hefner roast, I mean, it was – was no walk in the park and he but was suddenly the he's time. got the target on his forehead and i whispered to him during the commercial i said you know you're reading the teleprompter instead of listening to the jokes he was watching other people's oh. speeches he was nervous about what was coming up each time 
And I said, Donald, if you start laughing, everyone will have a good time. Yeah, right. And I said, uh, I said, don't even have to laugh, just smile, and everyone will have a good time. So he got better at just sort of listening to right. the roasters and enjoying right. himself a little bit, for right. better or worse. And then in the next commercial break, I said, you ready for phase two? I said, um, just start laughing. Just start letting it happen. I'm loving this, because you're, so you're sitting up there on the dais. You're, you're not even worried about your own set. You've done this a billion times. Right. Your, your concern is the run of show and how it's going and how everybody's feeling. Right. right? And I explained to him, I said, Donald... If you're enjoying it, mm. instead of this puss on your face, they'll cut to you more. Right. Laughing at yourself as opposed to cutting to the audience laughing at you. Right. I said, you want this to be about you. And he goes, now I get it. He wanted it. I said. Oh, it's the minute you described it's about you. It helps you out. Yeah. I love it. You, you want to cut to the guest of honor laughing. And then yeah. everybody goes, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like being molested. At a certain point, you just lay down and let it happen. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> These analogies. Yeah. <laughs> but he did. And at the end, he was very funny, self-deprecating. Right. Let, did, he roasted his own hair, which I thought was really courageous. Yeah. And I saw John Legend was there, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's really cool what it's become, man. I had a great joke about John Legend and his supermodel, Sports Illustrated and, model, Chrissy. And what, you didn't use it? They, they didn't have time for it, but I well, said... Well, uh, let's hear it. This, said, so you're giving us fresh material that wasn't used anywhere else. I said, else. oh, there he is, John Legend and his beautiful girlfriend, Chrissy. Look at him. They're like, they're like uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce if nobody cared. <laughs> And he would have been just sitting in the audience. That would have been blindsided. They loved it. No, they fully expected to be roasted, oh, and uh, they were my guests, so they had a good time. They're your guests? Yeah. Look at what you've become, man. I love bringing people Look, to the No, roast. no, no. Listen, no. I mean, you know, asking me to get a tuxedo 10 years ago and bringing John Legend. <laughs> now, that's a that's that's two different balls of wax, brother. Oh, it's so but fun it's... to be able to bring people that I admire. At the Hoff Roast, I had... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Bitten and Nils Lofgren from the E Street Band oh, at my table. And these are, to me, this is like my life coming full circle. So did you, um, how did you first start getting into roast? How did that first start? Well, I mean, I think I got used to making fun of people just by being the boss's son at a catering hall. Uh-huh. It was a self-defense mechanism where people made fun of me for the, being the boss's son. And you had this very ethnically diverse you know, the waitresses were all from Ireland and Scotland and the, the kitchen pot washers and dishwashers were all from Haiti and mm-hmm. the, the chef was a, a Navy guy. And, you know, I, you just started to size people up very quickly. And I just took that with me into my comedy at the Comedy Cellar in New York. I would go on late at night and anyone who wanted to use the bathroom had to walk through the center of the room and I'd just start learning to pick people off mm-hmm. as they walked through. Right. And this sort of just snowballed into one day, you know, you talk about opportunity meets preparation. I guess there was a really bad roast at the Friars Club where they couldn't get anybody the next year. You know, they had this Ted Danson in blackface with Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, right. That was like, bad uh, news. Controversy. Right. So the next year they can't get anybody, you know, to do the roast. So they call, you know, whatever local New York comic they think might be good at it. And I had just done a a uh, uh, Friars charity golf tournament in honor of Greg Fitzsimmons' dad, Bob Fitzsimmons, who mm-hmm. passed away. And, right. And I killed at that, making fun of the old guys. And then I got a random phone call. From, from who? From the Friars Club, from Jean-Pierre Trebeau, mm-hmm. the executive director of the Friars Club at the time. And uh, I thought it was a prank. Right. He's like, uh, 
are you available on so-and-so date? He said, yes. I said, he said, do you have a suit and tie? I said, I'll find one. <laughs> I was a young guy. Right. You know, and uh, I started, at this point, you couldn't look up on YouTube what, what a roast looked no. like. They weren't on TV. What was, the, did they even have the Dean Martin on video cassette? No, roast I had to go, I went to the Museum of Broadcasting in New York, uh -huh. and I looked up these old roasts to see the format and what they look and no, where the line kidding. is. And I said, my gosh, this is great. Then they said, uh, we want you to roast Steven Seagal on this roast. And oh. I said, well, I looked at the whole like, setup was all about like roasting people you love. I said, I don't care about Steven Seagal. Right. I don't get it. But then I saw Milton Berle and Henny Youngman and Buddy Hackett were all going to be there. And I said, now there's something I can grab onto. Oh. I love these guys. Right. So I started sort of working my set around them a little bit. And uh, Had you, you never met these guys? Never before. met any of them. Couldn't believe. I wasn't even a member of the Friars. This was like my entree into the Friars so, Club. So your first roast there on the dais is Milton Berle. Emceeing. Emceeing. His last roast uh -huh. was my first roast. Is that right? Yeah. So he was emceeing the Steven Seagal roast? The roast master. The roast master was Milton Berle and Buddy Hackett and all these, Freddie Roman, all those guys all were there. They were all there. And I remember my first joke. Um, do you have to bleep stuff on? on yeah, we'll bleep it out. Huh? Go ahead. This is, your, um, this is Jeff Ross's first ever roast joke. Milton Berle brings me up. Mm -hmm. Steven Seagal is sitting there in one of his Asian tuxedos, mm -hmm. you know, with his ponytail. <laughs> Under Siege 2 had just hit, you know, the movie theaters like nerve gas. Like no one wanted to, you know, it's just like we're roasting Steven Seagal in this like kind of off year. And I, I look out, it's, it's like 2,000 people at the New York Hilton. I'm the totally unknown yeah. at this roast. Right. And I'm very nervous. Milton gives me, brings me up at the end, this awful intro about like, he just came back from Vegas. He was doing a convention of lesbians with <laughs> rash. Here he is, Jeff Ross. <laughs> That's like, how you were announced by yeah, Milton Berle. The worst Good intro Lord. imaginable. Uh -huh. And I'm looking at this room and it's like 2,000 <laughs> super sophisticated New Yorkers who really appreciate good comedy. So I'm hearing, I'm getting a feel for the room. Right. And I'm making notes and I'm working furiously during the show. And this is like, you know, the most pressure I've ever been under. And I, I shake Milton's hand and I look at Steven Seagal and I look out at the audience and I say, I realize a lot of you don't know me, but I feel uniquely qualified to be here today because I'm also a <laughs> actor. <laughs> <laughs> and then boom. It was like a grand slam. This yeah. was my Yankee Stadium. Right. Like right there, I just dug in. I had my jokes that I'd worked weeks on. Uh -huh. And every time I got a big laugh, Milton Berle, who was sitting right beside me, would poke me with his big long fingernail in the ribs uh -huh. under the podium where no one else could see. So every time I get a laugh, I pop up. Everyone thinks I have like a nervous tick. What's he doing? I don't know. So he just boom. <laughs> And, and I, I try not to lose my place. Uh -huh. The only time anyone had ever done anything like that to me was when I was baying bar mitzvah. The cantor <laughs> was doing that to, to relax me. So maybe it was the, he's channeling his inner cantor or something like that to relax you? Or? So I, I finally, I'm doing fine. I couldn't take it anymore. And I just look at him and I'm like, Milton. And I just start making fun of Milton Burrow off the cuff. You know, I said, uh, Milton, uh, I was walking around downtown today. I saw Milton Burrow in an antique shop. 800 bucks, <laughs> just like whatever I could think of. And Milton just keeps 
Now, I don't know that he does this all the time to right. young comedians. I have no idea. Right. Finally, after a couple of minutes of me and Milton sparring in front of 2,000 people, Buddy Hackett, who I don't know at mm-hmm. this point, is way down the other side of the dais, and off mic, he just yells in that... Yeah. Hey, Milton, let the kid work. Remember when you used to? <laughs> Milton leaves me alone, runs down to Buddy, plants uh, one on him, uh-huh. so they kiss. Right. The place erupts. Yeah. And I go, give it a hand for Milton Bro and Buddy Hackett. Between the two of them, they have almost 200 years of homosexual experience. <laughs> and that was it. I did my dismount. I left. Dismount. Fantastic. I, got, I, I went back to the club, and it was just the greatest thing. You know, all the comics go back to the Friars Club for a drink. And Buddy, I said to Buddy Hackett, I said, why is Milton doing that to me? And he said, he does that to all the young comedians. He's jealous when other people get laughs. I said, wow. He said, take it as a sign of affection. And then I went to Milton, and I said, mm-hmm. uh, I said, Milton, it was just so such an honor to be up there with you. That was really exciting, and thank you for you know, playing with me. And I just made it all positive. Mm-hmm. And I said, any advice, because I want to do this again. And he gave me great advice um, that I'll always cherish. He said, uh, if anything, do less time. They only remember the home runs. Less and, is more. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, talk about sports analogies. No they doubt. only remember the home runs. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, do the big jokes. Don't need to be up there for 20 minutes. And I still do that. Do the best jokes. Narrow it down. Right. It's not a contest for how long but you're But it's got to be tough to narrow it down because you probably think it's all going to kill, right? I mean, you got you to gotta kill some stuff that hit the floor that you know it's tough for you to hit the floor with, right? When you're closing the show, you have to sort of overwrite because stuff's going to get used up before. You know, you go on last on a Donald Trump roast, you might not want to do hair jokes. Right, exactly. Because you know that there's four other comedians or eight other acts that are going to do that before you. So it's a little bit of a... It's a game, you know? You're up there, and the nature of the game is that whoever goes on first has first crack at, you know, the big premises. It's a craft, man. It's a craft, and you are Rembrandt at it it's, wow. it's an art seriously you are you're a nice guy no no it's it's a true story it's an absolute true story and and another true story is you then after meeting buddy hackett that night became awfully close with him correct yeah, yeah. like really tight <clears throat> we became you know lunch pals and buddies and writing we write jokes together and what a dream come true that is. and he's like this big kid and I'm like a 30-year-old guy in an old man's attitude. <laughs> so we had like a nice partnership. Right. He was very uh, mischievous, and I was very conservative mm-hmm. back then. And uh, I wouldn't do a roast without running it by him. He always would add to it. And he would call me every morning. It was like orange juice. He just woke me up about 10.30 and either, either left me a message of a joke. He would just call and leave a joke. Uh-huh. Or uh, he'd wake me up. I'd, I'd answer it. He'd just start going into a joke. You know, the phone would ring. You know who hates farts the most? <laughs> who, who, buddy? Midgets. And then he would just hang up. That's and it. I was, I was up for the day. He called me back a few hours later. And... It's a thought of the day. That's the way. It's, that's like your reveille. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> is, is it true also, because you told me this once. I'm wondering if it's still true. Do you still wear his cufflinks when you're I do. roasting? I do. You wear, I wear his, his cufflinks. cufflinks. I have a bunch of his bow ties. And... Um, I have a cravat that I wear sometimes a when I'm doing shows. It's very fancy. So when you were when you were on the Trump roast, you're wearing Buddy Hackett's cuff. I, I did not wear them on that show because you know I feel like it's interesting you say that. I wore his bow tie in that Hef roast. Yeah, um, that you talked about. But I feel like now, mm-hmm. as I hit my prime, if you will, yes, 
I'm starting to back off a little bit. I used to wear my dad's ring. I used to wear my grandfather's. I still wear my grandfather. But I'm starting to feel like I don't have to. I carry them with me, these guys, in a different way now. I'm my own man. I used to do it in tribute. I'd wear buddy's cufflinks right. or, you know, my dad's tie or whatever. I, I, I would just save everything and always feel like I had to bring. And now I feel like I've made my own mark on the roast where I wear what I want. If I want to come out in a sequined bikini on the David Hasselhoff roast, I do it. <laughs> or the hairstyle you, you in, in honor of Donald that you did. The trumpet last week. The trumpet <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, man. I, I, I want you back. We, we, I, I feel like I could talk with you for an hour, two hours, three hours. That's, really that's us. That's our friendship. You bet. I'm on tour. Will you plug my tour? Yes. What, what, what are we If you go to plug? roastmastergeneral.com, I'm mm-hmm. coming to all kinds of fun places. Seattle. Uh, the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. I'm mm-hmm. at the Borgata in Atlantic City, and uh, speed roasting. I'll be roasting the audience. So you just people you have never met them, and they just step up, right? But Volunteers. I don't pick on people. That's well, you know what? Uh, although our sound guy Mike Del Tufo, when he came in in all of his NFL gear, right? He looked like an ad. <laughs> I thought he was doing an endorsement for uh, the the big and uh, very big and tall shop, very big and short shop, the very big and short shop. <laughs> You and Garland both nailed him. Fantastic. And there he is. He's coming out. He came out of the sound booth. Just to, what, Oh, it, my God. There he is. The very big and short he shot. He's shaped like a football. <laughs> You've been roasted by Jeffrey Ross, man. Your day's been complete. Uh, I only roast the ones I love in paperback, right? Yeah, it's on paperback. Fantastic. Uh, roastmastergeneral.com for where you can find... At the real Jeffrey, at, at real Jeffrey Ross on Twitter. Oh yeah, tweet me. I love getting tweets from you, Rich. At real Jeffrey Ross is on Twitter, and uh, at uh, you can go to roastmastergeneral.com. Good to see you, buddy. Great to see you, pal. All you the bet. best. What Congrats. a great show, Jeffrey Ross. I want to thank him, Jeff Garland, and the Stangle Brothers. See, we didn't even talk about the labor situation. Thank you for getting me through this day. Speaking of labor, how's your wife? She's she's through it. <laughs> she's through it. As soon as I got done with her labor pains, now I got to deal with this. <laughs> So thanks for coming on and uh, love me you through buddy. the day. Sure. Same to you. That's Jeffrey Ross. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Stay listening.